and welcome to another episode of Podcast and Bullshit. And I am your host, Kayla. With me today is Tillin. Say hello, Dylan. My name is Tillin Dearney, and I am Tillin Dearney. happy to uh, co-host this here, the podcast arena. Yep. And Travis is with us today. Say hello, Travis. I'm actually Arnie. I like to look at the ingredients on the back <laughs> of cereal food. Yellow number five. <laughs> Asafine. <laughs> that is Hey Arnold. Uh, uh, long shot that no one will ever forget. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It's it's top. It's now more topical than the last twenty years. So. Is that is that? I know that movie came out, which I didn't see the all the way through. I need to do that. But did they? Aren't they going to do for like a full on reboot? Okay. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Okay, dog, get off my face. I have a dog in my face. Quit talking about Arnie it. like that. <laughs> this is not great. I, I really want this dog to take the microphone and then try burying the yard and somehow your computer picks it all up. This is not good at all. He just like jumped <laughs> on my face. He wants attention. Stop! I Jesus. can hear him. I can hear him. Bring him on. What's the, what is this pupper's name? Yeah, it's Juju. Juju. All right. Welcome, Juju. And young Julian is coming in to ruin every podcast. <laughs> his name's Julian? Uh, his name's Juju. I call him Juju. young Julian. I mean, I call my, my... My dog's name is Louie, but we call him Louis Richard when he's in trouble. Because he's a yeah. dick. Get it? <laughs> yeah. So. Egon's never in trouble, so I don't have to deal with that. Oh, come on. You, you like... I wouldn't say bargain in this too ironic, but you like shush him away like every week. Well, because he just wants to lay by my feet. Oh, what a what a precious pup! And yeah. it's like, wait, I can't, I can't move, and I might step on you. So please move. Yeah. No, Julian is a big dog. He's not big dog apparel, but he's a big puppy. Ooh, you can't, you can't. Step up to big dog apparel, like like nothing. You gotta really. <laughs> that's an important brand, big dog apparel. Big dog apparel. If you were a husky teen, you know about big. I mean, it's that <laughs> or like what? Uh, infection All right, t-shirts get... or whatever. Affliction. That's it. Affliction. No, that's just like douches. All right, you're gonna have to leave. You can't be in here while we're recording. <laughs> what I'm just realizing. Uh, yeah, you guys get started. I'm gonna have to get him out of here. Hi, this is PNB, the dog uh, reprimanding podcast uh, spectacular. It only took us. It sure is. Only took 125 episodes to get there. Yeah, right. Which boy, we... we are we are blazing through these these second hundred episodes way faster than the first hundred. <laughs> well, you know, things happen. Hey, I'm we not were, complaining. You know, now we we're were different people. Then now we're more structured and uh, you know on pace with things than ever before. Yes. So you can thank Robert Peach for that. It. On Patreon, I got this P&B. Ah. We'll, we'll save that for the end of the show. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. I've actually been playing more new games this week. And by new, I mean some old games and some new games. But I've been playing more this week than most weeks than just the typical, you know, oh, I picked up a new character in Dragon Ball. Um, they had that Pokemon Quest game come out yesterday with it when they did that Pokemon press conference. I'll wait until Travis gets back to uh, talk in depth about that. Good idea, because... But, um... 
You need somebody to talk about that with, and that's not me. <laughs> Sorry, we'll get to the Fallout discussion later, I'm sure. That's fine. But, um, I got the Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection, which comes with, like, I want to say every version of Street Fighter up through Street Fighter 3. So all the Street Fighter 2 versions, all the alphas, all the threes, um, and even the original Street Fighter, because it's it's just like a joke at this point that that's a thing that happened. But um, it's 40 bucks, you know, for everything. It's very extensive. All the uh, sort of definitive editions of those games, you know, the last entries in their franchise have online play and training mode functionalities. So you can just mess around in, like, Super Turbo or Third Strike, that kind of thing. Um, pretty fully featured. A lot of, like, you know, galleries and music uh, libraries and things like that. It's pretty reverent. They, I, I feel like there was a period... 10, 15 years ago, where a lot of these kind of games for 15 or 20 year anniversaries, like, they were a bit more common. So a lot of compilations of PS2, a lot of compilations even into the 360 era, but um, it's as good as it gets in terms of, like, collections and compilations. It's very arcade perfect, which is, you know, a, a, a term that was really glossed over back in the, like, 90s and stuff when it came to console translations of fighting games, but these are, like, the arcade versions of the games. They aren't, like, Here's the, they aren't PlayStation ports, they aren't Super Nintendo ports. Like, they're all the arcade game proper. But, Dylan, I'm a YouTuber, and I like to make <laughs> bad video <laughs> games. Uh, why is this game not perfect and not work all the time perfectly? Well, there are some issues <laughs> with online, but they're very minimal. And I'd say, compared to a lot of other games, actually not substantial. Like, I'm talking milliseconds of input delay and things like that. So while, yeah. while it might not be the most ideal online experience, it's still very good um, remotely, let's I, say. I mean, input delay's always been a problem with, like, online fighting games. Oh, always. And it's stuff a huge like problem. That. Like, I'd say modern fighting games are worse about it than ever. Like, Dra yeah. Dragon Ball, Blaze Blue, like, you're dealing with, you know, three, four, five frames of delay, which can really add up. Uh, and, like, the fact that, you know, Street Fighter and Aristide Collection is dealing with one or two. Right. Um, you know, it's pretty impressive if they are old games. You know, yeah. I don't. No, know, I mean, I don't know if they they differentiate between each console. Like, maybe the Switch version's worse off. But I I I bought the Switch version and it's actually been pretty pretty solid just to hop in and play. And right. boy, these these games are fucking tough, man. I gotta say, like, as somebody who didn't really grow up on like Street Fighter Two or Street Fighter Three or even Alpha, um, mm. yeah, these games these games are. Like that when you're just playing against arcade AI, uh, surprisingly brutal. Yeah, I mean Alpha Three is a lot. Alpha Three, especially like when you go into like the final rounds and you you have to fight Jury and June at the same time, and like some of that stuff is is very. You mean Yun and Yang. No, Jury and June. They're talking about Alpha Three. Uh, you're thinking uh, of Street Fighter Three. Excuse me. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it's um, that game can be very, very difficult. But I mean, it also like it teaches you how to how to be really good at fighting games. Like I just I went to a barcade this weekend, and I played uh, Street Fighter Two with my, I guess my buddy. And his first words were, "Okay, we're gonna play, but I'm going to lose, and it's okay." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, you don't know that," and like. The guy, so the guys next to us were playing on the Simpsons arcade cabinet, mm -hmm. so it was all four people. So I told him like, okay, I will take the first, the cabinet over here, so I don't have a full 
um, I don't have a full thing in there. So you can, you know, I don't have a full thing in there. So they, like, you can, uh, you'll have full range and you'll also use Ryu and I'll use Sagat. Oh, God. And, yeah. and I still want it because Sagat has really good range and a really good reach. Is like, there a with, Street Fighter Sagat's not good in? Um, because, like, he, no. dominated, he dominated, like, Vanilla 4. He dominated, he still dominates to this day Super Turbo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he. His his footsies are like the the his like his window for like his punish frame and like his hitbox window are so long on his footsies like you don't you don't even need to do like specials for his normals you know, just win him the games. They I mean they basically <laughs> do right. I get, I get like he's a control character. He's a control character that stops you from doing the one thing you need to do with a control character, which is get in their face. Because his normals have such a long reach on them. So They're if you get into his long. face, yeah, if you get into his face, you're going to get punished regardless. So he is a really, he's a really like difficult character to deal with. I, I think like a lot of, a lot of Blancas kind of really work with him. Um, e Honda, because of how he launches with his charge attacks, works as well. But like, yeah, he can be a very difficult character to deal with. He's pretty, pretty nutty, but the game... The collection's really good about letting you be able to, like, hop in and out, and when you just go to arcade mode, you, you know, player two can just, like, come in whenever. Um, it's, right. It's very good about drop-in, drop-out stuff. And it's like, well, I'm kind of getting my ass beat here, but I can just kind of quit the game and go into any other Street Fighter I want, like that. Um, mm. Now, is it a full 60? It's 40. All right, it's 40? 40, 40 See, that's not... That, yeah, that's... I think that's... That's not gonna say that's reasonable. No, that's actually that's a perfect price. For yeah, it. That, yeah, I think sixty would be way too much. I think I think forty is just like the perfect price point. Capcom's mm. getting pretty good at, at knowing how to price these things. They they priced the Mega Man Legendary Le Legendary Legacy Collection. Um, I think they're both there's two collections. Uh, and they're both fifteen bucks a pop. So you get yeah, like it's... you get four to six Mega Man games. You know, each Mega Man game is four dollars. That's pretty pretty fair. Yeah, it's not bad. And they're, um, they're, and they're then, fully featured too, because you can they have rewind functions and, and save states and all all kinds of stuff. Yeah, which like I, I mean, I guess the argument is like it kind of defeats the point of Mega Man, uh, which is like kind of learning those levels. But I, I still think that's that's fair. I mean, like, it, I, you can you can progress from using save states to doing like a non-save state run or whatever. Yeah, I just think that's that's weird, kind of almost like gatekeepery stuff that. We do as a community when we look at stuff like you know stage states when it comes to like something like Mega Man, yeah. Because um, yeah. Mega Man can definitely like once you learn a trick in the room, it helps you. But I think it also helps you get good. I think that's what like a lot of people have started like saying. Like a lot of games have come out where there's like not really a an end state. Like you lose your life and it you know helps you, but it helps you kind of learn and traverse that room. And I think that's more important if that mm -hmm. makes any sense yeah to be able sense. to actually yeah just to like, be able to actually learn how having, to read a having room. that tangible progression from like you know improving to you know having everything set in stone and be pretty solid that's that's an important lesson i think a lot of modern games have taken and sort of retrofitting old games with that is totally fine because you can just play them the old way if you want yeah i think like that's i think that's where rpgs need to kind of go right i think the the world of leveling up in RPGs like so I've been playing I've been replaying through Persona Five which I really like um, and but one of the things that I think is archaic 
and I think this is like kind of going across board in all of RPGs is tying like how good you are in the game behind leveling mm-hmm. without it kind of being tied to strategy. And the only game that I kind of I, I equate it to, and this is going to be funny, is uh, Pokemon. Like we've been playing, like me and you, obviously, Dylan played like a lot of Pokemon within our time mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but with Pokemon, like you can learn like. I don't have to use a, a Buster. Like I don't have to use a Dragonite that has like very few elemental weaknesses or like a Spirit Tomb to enjoy and play that game because if I know what type matchings are and I know what move does what and I know what this move does, I can I can run eighteen that has like a Shuckle on it or like you know like something that doesn't have to be like a top tier list. And I think right, right. I think having games do that where you kind of can learn a game system and then progress it and do it like however you want to. I think that's what makes that's what makes games fun. I think that's what makes something like Pokemon fun to us. I totally I agree. Think, I think like making yeah. it so that you can kind of tackle it in your way. Um, I, I think that's a very interesting pull. Yeah, I, I and more games should be open to more. More experimentation like that, and Pokemon's a great, great call on that regard to uh, to kind of experiment like that. What can I say? I've been doing a lot of uh, video game shows lately, and I've gotten good at it. Yeah. What I can mean, I say? I God, one of these days we will have a Nuzlocke that sticks. I think Platinum might have been the wrong game to start, or Diamond. I yeah, I think I think I think that's happening sooner than people think. I think we're getting ready <laughs> to watch the Nuzlocke pretty soon. I mean, I would I agree with you. be done for Fire and Leaf Green. Not gonna lie. I think, I think after watching uh, some really cool guys play that game, uh, I think a Nuzlocke race we would could be do kind a, of we, cool. I would still love to do the two-player thing like they do, but I yeah. mean, that could be aping too much. I'm not sure. Like I said, a Nuzlocke, I think a Nuzlocke race through Red, uh, Ruby and Sapphire would be really Ooh, good. Ooh, that would be to fun. To do it that way. I know we're just spitballing yeah. at this point, but that that does sound like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Then Ooh, we could have man. we could have Bibs be our third. Uh, do the Emerald one at the same time, kind of like the completionist review. Yeah. We did all three. That would yeah. be great. That would be great. Kayla. What? What have you been playing? What is great with what? you in video games? What? I I haven't been playing any. Oh, I tried playing um, Detroit. <laughs> too human. Uh, Detroit. Detroit. The most human. Back. The most human. Detroit. That that movie. Uh, it's boring as fuck. It's just but, it's so it's so goddamn boring. But wait, um, what about? Did you know robots are also ethnicities? Did you know racism's gone I, and now robots have taken the place of all our racial injust- injustices? Yeah, I. I see that, and I, hmm, I just, I just can't, I can't, I, I've never played a David Cage game, ever, never, and I wish I could keep that up, but I accidentally played Detroit Too Human, <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> Good thing I, I only that- rented it for, like... I had, I did the the seven dollar three night deal for Redbox, uh-huh. and I was like, Saturday I, I took it back. 
I was like, no, I'm never gonna play this. Nope, not gonna play this. Sorry. And then I told everybody it was awful, and they agreed. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's bad. Other than that, I really haven't been playing anything. Uh, school is. I'm at the finish line, but man, does it kick ass. Yeah, it's school. Uh, because I got a midterm tomorrow, and and you've been in the class a for final a week. the next day. <laughs> so, so whew, it's a it's coming in there hot and heavy. So can't wait, really can't wait for this to be done. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, I haven't. I mean, I saw Solo on Sunday. St- I like the Still lot. haven't seen yeah. Solo, but I'm not gonna. I, I, I have no thoughts. On it. I'll be watching it this weekend. Going back to that uh, barcade that I went to. Um, so my buddy who lives over there would like to go to the barcade. So I'm gonna go back to that barcade that I went to uh, last weekend, and then I'm gonna go to the fancy RC theater where I went and watched uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, and I'm gonna watch Solo there, and I'm gonna have another beer milkshake. Yeah, Beer I saw it on great. the like big ass screen, like the XD IMAX 3D screen, and I liked it a lot. Uh, so I thought it was a fun romp. Uh, I thought the the guy who played Solo was fine. I mean, he he checked all the boxes for me for for Han Solo. So you know, it was fine. It it was a surprising part in the beginning because you think like other people are going to be in it longer than they are and then oopsie daisy they're not and you're like well guess what this just all got fucked up so yeah I mean I liked it a lot so it's fine it's not as it's not as great as Rogue One because it's a story it's a story movie not a saga movie um, which is what like the actual Star Wars are. They're part of the saga. And then these guys are just like offshoot stories. So, yeah. But, yeah. That's it. Sorry. I'm boring. I mean, no, you just have boring. different experiences. Yeah, it's like, nobody else here was going to play Detroit Become Human, so. I might still play that game. Look, I like, uh, there's a lot of trash that I like. And that seems like right down the trash alley. it's not even fun can... trash. It's like, Try hard, it is serious fun trash. trash. No, it's it's serious trash. It's like it's, it's not so fun, campy trash like Deadly Premonition or anything like that. It, I I made the comparison. It's like if you if you gave Tommy Wiseau like Marvel movie budgets, and because like he is very serious about his art and craft too. It just sucks, and that's that's it's been morphed into a kind of a joke. But like that is not we are not, we have not reached that point in Quantic Dream yet, not by a long shot. But did you know that being a robot is like being a black person? Did you know that? They literally were standing on the back of the bus, and then it pans out to a wide <laughs> shot where, where, where like, we're just a couple of just men uh, dudes are just sitting in the, on the bus, and I'm like, you cannot be serious right now that you're selling this. Like, it's like just, oh, what touching grip. That, like, look at this human emotion, like, uh, oh God! I and you th- and you really can't say like, oh, it's because he's French and he just doesn't get it. Like, no, the French the f- the French have their own civil rights shit they gotta deal with, and they should be dealing with it real quick. But like, well, for God's it sakes. seems kind of tone deaf that he did it. It's like Ivanka Trump 
having that picture of her and her kid and be like, my heart, when, you know, like, kids are being ripped away from their parents when they hit the border. Like, fuck you. Like, that's kind of tone deaf. Like, like being aggressively centrist, which, you know, whatever your personal political beliefs are fine, but, like, an artistic expression being that just arduously centrist, like, we have to tell both sides, we have to frame it in a way that, you know, everybody can kind of get, and, like, we have to make it so that, like, oh, these, like, what is it to be alive, you know, Uh, and these very, like, elementary questions about the the meaning of consciousness and life and shit like that. It's very baseline, and, like, there's interesting stuff set up in Detroit, like how unemployment's 40%, and we still have, like, a semi-functional society. Like, that's interesting. That actually shouldn't be happening. No, that shouldn't, and it's interesting that it, that it even does, and I would love that to be extrapolated upon more, but no, that's more focused on, like, the, the robots are... It's an it's a giant fucking comparison shot to every. It's like every oppressed people put into one thing is the is the robot, and every other every other racial inequality has just been washed away in the last twenty years because robots can do manual labor. Yeah, but <sighs> and I mean, robots. probably at that point, like realistically, like there wouldn't even be like an unemployment rate to deal with, because I mean then most people wouldn't need to actually work. So having point. an unemployment no. rate would be kind of, like, stupid. Like, shit. Like, there's interesting questions that this game poses that they just completely ignore in service of such a... And I would say hokey is a good word for it just because they try and sell it so straight. It's... Oh, it's... It, it's serious mm. art business, and you're like... Like, mm. mm. I, I, I... Like, you can sell... You can tell, like deep thought-provoking stories in video games this video game is not that video I, game. I was talking to travis about it before but i feel like whenever i see people you know that i know and like talk about how like oh they, they, they're big fans of this these types of games and like you know they, they they really speak to them i'm like am i on some kind of different just like existence and some kind of weird like dimension where this just completely phases over me and i'm just am i missing something because i really don't think i am so this is a it's fucking cra- this, it's fucking crazy to that that people like to prop up these games as like narrative feats and games like I was and this shit was the same shit with Heavy Rain and to a lesser extent Beyond Two Souls because I don't think that game got as huge of a push I think Heavy Rain yeah. was a lot more bigger of a deal at the time but huh. well, I mean there's there's a so this the whole conversation about this really shitty thing in this bad video game that says nothing about nothing. It reminded me of a conversation I had with my dad in 2003. Um, like, it was around the time when they started showing those, like, I love the 90s and I love the 70s shows um, on VH1, which are really great for a huge pop culture nerd like I was, but I I had never, I've, I've still, I have never seen Roots. Um, and... My dad is from my dad is from Alabama, and my dad, my like, my my family's history with segregation is this: my aunt and uncle went to the first high school that was segregated in Alabama. They are not that much older. I'm not like generations away from like shit like this. Um, so I just remember like I, I saw something on Roots 
on like one of those shows. I told my dad, I was like, hey, you know, let's go to the library. You know, I want to rent Roots. And my dad was like, no, you don't want to do that. And I was like, no, I really do want to watch Roots. And we had a very long conversation. He was like, whatever is portrayed in Roots, like it's very important. It's a very important thing for people to see, you know, what Alex uh, Haley's like story was. But at the end of the day, like if you don't actually engage in the stuff that you talk about in there, what is the purpose of watching it? There is nothing that's going to really you're going to glob from it because you're not going to get any history from it. The the problem with stories like this, like uh, specifically Detroit, like I, beyond I think Beyond Two Souls was just like a really bad story that did a lot of shitty stuff, like you know um, allowed simulated nudity to Ellen Page. She did not agree to it. Uh, you know a lot of just like actual bad stuff outside of the but, fact that it's like a convoluted mess. Right, but I I think what something like Detroit Beyond Human has an issue with, or not has an issue with, but has a like um, like kind of a um, uh, a barrier to it is you want to have these conversations about race. I think this is also a problem with Far Cry Five earlier this year. We want to have these conversations, but then not actually fucking have these conversations. Like it's a lot of saying stuff mm-hmm. without, without saying without anything. any meaning or, or weight behind it at all. Any meaning or any stakes. You know what? I can come. I can come on this podcast say, "Hey, you know what? Roseanne said something stupid, and she should be fired." And that's me saying something without saying anything because, of course, she's be saying something fired. Can we also have a conversation talking about? How, why the fact that Roseanne got another show when she had been depicting stuff like this for a long time. Right. Why we give opportunities to situations like that. How come, and again, this is more of a broad conversation, we don't ever talk about reviving, you know, nostalgically shows uh, that were with people of color. Like, why hasn't there been a Family Mathers reboot? I or mean, why there shit. hasn't been a Fresh like Prince? A reboot, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Well, Martin, that's, I mean, we're going to get into, like, some problematic. There, I mean, there are shows that aren't that are still problematic. that are problematic for their time. Yeah, and, and maybe don't but, deserve I mean, that in, kind of second look. Yeah, but like in the house. But like, I mean, they still I mean, brought shows... back Roseanne, which probably had a little bit of that going for it. I mean, you know, right? Like... Well, I mean, so Roseanne, Roseanne didn't really fight really hard to get her show back on. It was Sarah Gilbert, right? Uh, the, the woman who played Darlene. She fought really hard because, you know, like. The original Roseanne, like, I liked it a lot when I was younger. Like, I watched it with my parents, and it depicted real-life stuff for us. And I didn't even know, like, that she was, you know, at that time, like, you, you most people didn't know, like, she was, like, a fucking racist cunt. Uh, right. Right, you no, know, and, and, I, and I agree with you, but I, I think, like I said, I think there's a bigger argument, because I think there's also shows... That, or like I said, like again, this is again, this sounds like me soapboxing, but it's not. But like, there's shows that are you know, shows that are based off people of color that also have nostalgic value. That, like, if Family Matters came back today, it w- I think it would have the same numbers that Roseanne did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A- I, no it, joke, absolutely, r- right? I would, I completely <laughs> agree, and I would be one of the ones that'd be like, all right, well. Let me get back Hulu, and I'm going to watch this. Right. Because it's... I loved Family Matters, too. Like, I love Family Matters. I love Fresh Prince. I loved Martin. I was kind of too young for Martin, but I watched it anyways. Right. Like, I love those shows. 
Yeah. No joke. No, no. And, and like I said, I, and again, this isn't me denigrating, like, because I, I do think there is a, I do think there is a reason to bring a show like Roseanne back. Like, obviously, we all didn't. Well, no, we all knew she was shitty. We just didn't really think she would be, you know, the shittiest person. Um, so I, I do think those shows were important. But I, what I think, what I'm trying to get with, with this whole conversation, especially with David Cage's whole David Cage thing. Is that we we want these stories to tell these very complex like stories and tell these very complex narratives and weave it into weave it into it, but they don't know how to do it, and I don't know I don't know why we keep allowing David Cage to try because he's not good at it, and it's always bad and it's always a bad situation. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, that's correct. I but mean, I, I, I'm I'm just not surprised about Detroit being this bad. Like when I saw the trailer at E3 last year, and I remember saying this like on Twitter, it's like, oh, oh man, it looks like David Cage read a book on racism and now wants to write his robot story about, hey, you know what, racism is bad, but it's also bad for everyone. Like, ugh, I I. I'm not surprised, but I just don't know. Like I said, it's just the same thing with Far Cry 5. Like, Far Cry 5 could have been this very big story talking about, hey, you know, race relations and why a white ethnostate could be bad and why, like, doing something like this, like, it's very similar to Nazism. Like, I don't think Wolfenstein 2 should be the story that, like, told this very, like, nuanced thing about race and relations and, like, how fascism can be brought up, but Wolfenstein 2 told this very nuanced story about race and religion and how, like, things could go up. Like, I don't understand, like, how that became a thing. Like, how this game that was, like, supposed to be over an overtop game where, like, I don't know, I don't know if I should spoil it, but something happens in the middle of the game where you're like, huh, this, we're just going full on sci-fi, but it tells a more deep and, like, impressive story dealing with this kind of stuff than Detroit or Far Cry 5, which should be these more, like, saccharine, like, more down-to-earth stories. I don't know, like, I just, it's a very weird scenario for me. Yeah, I mean, Wolfenstein 2, like, see, this is the weird thing. I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. That's not actually weird, because, fuck, like, we're friends, and and I agree with you on... On this, like wholeheartedly, I can't, I can't disagree with something I don't disagree with, and I'm a <laughs> shitty debater if I have to pick the opposite side. Right. So I'm not gonna do it at all. Like. <laughs> right. No, it's just it's something I've just been thinking about, and I, I'm not just I'm not smart enough to write about it. So I have this platform, this platform right here. I uh, think it has to be the right person. Yes. To talk about it, and David Cage is not. But no. then, who would? you use to use this as a mouthpiece like and i mean wolfenstein too i mean right but that's weird you're (laughs) right like the i don't think i i don't think i should be looking for it to be the people to have these conversations but like like you said they're the ones who have done it good um i don't know it's really weird and they weren't even like because it is in dallas 
uh, for the longest time, like, Dallas was the city of hate. Like, like Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Dallas is the city of hate because we fucking shot JFK. <laughs> yeah. And for the longest time, like, that's what Dallas was thought of. So, like, we're the shittiest city um, all the time. Well, also, like, 80s, the 80s cocaine, you know, access and all that other stuff. But then, like, Dallas also has, like, the the most woke uh, news van of all time. But he's been doing that since, like, the 60s. I forgot what the old... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, like, a long time ago, like, Dallas went through sensitivity training. Like, their, their police went through sensitivity training. So, uh, I mean, so we don't really hear a whole bunch about, like, like our last um, chief, police chief, his son was mentally ill, and there was a big thing where he shot a police officer like it was a like a big chase and stuff like that and you know the police you know the chiefs have said like yeah go ahead and you're gonna have to put him down go for it i mean like this is gonna suck for me like physically and emotionally like you're gonna have to shoot my son right no I- and he was a and he was a black chief so like uh yeah like, yeah, we've had a, a Hispanic lesbian sheriff in Dallas, who's now running for governor. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's, I mean, this is, this is why I'm very much on my on my soapbox of inclusive inclusivity matters, like having diverse voices matters, like, like you said, Taylor. I don't know who has that story, but honestly, I didn't think until last year you could have a horror movie that actually depict like. What it feels like to be a black person in a white space, but then something like Get Out comes out. I think it is very important to have diverse voices talking about these things. I don't know, maybe have a studio lead that is a woman or a person of color that is running like the the big bummer of Amy Amy having not Amy 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 Henning not doing the next Star Wars game. Like even if it is like derivative to you know uncharted and whatever but the the biggest thing that that hurts it is that we don't get to have like you know it'd be really cool to have a woman voice on star wars like a woman actually run a star wars project a project as the head creative talent like i know that there is a woman that's the head of marvel studio not marvel studios but um the the uh, star wars part lucas art uh but yeah. actually having a woman creative on the head of the story because it allows you to tell a different story. Just like having a person of color in the creative, you know, of a story. Like what were the two, what are the two biggest Marvel movies the last, you know, other than, uh, other than Avengers, which is like uh, Avengers, uh, three, which is like a 10 year project. What were the last two big Marvel movies, black Panther and Thor Ragnarok, you know, and these are two movies ran by people of color that have a completely different view and they like they are Thor Ragnarok so good, Black Panther is so good and they're completely different than most Marvel movies that you see. And they f- they feel completely different. And I think that's what's got to happen. I think with games like if we want to do games like Detroit um Almost Human, okay, cool. We need to get we need to get people of different backgrounds and different diversities in the head of these studios making these games and that's the, that's so, what's gonna happen so there's a woman i follow on twitter um and she runs iron circus comics which is like an indie house comics that 
does like outside stories um so so to speak and she's very diverse um like she she's all that uh and you know she's she's an amazing person and she talks about because she's a person of she's a woman of color and she constantly tells people like you're going to like your first story is going to fail like as an artist like you will probably never make money off your first book period amen and because you're writing for diversity and stuff like that like you just can't turn out like bullshit and you can't just think like because you're a person of color or something like that or you're a minority like everybody has to buy your book because if it's shit it should be shit it has to be good and because black panther was good you know not just because it was a it was a unique story which it was and it was a fantastic unique story and i'm never gonna say anything bad about black panther because i love it so much like it was good its soundtrack is good like everything about it is amazing um like because of that and because it is a person of color like it's good but there's really a downcast of I, I hope I'm not like gonna piss off Travis for saying this but if it's a shit story it should be treated as shit no matter if it has diversity in it or not um and there's yeah that's 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 just like looking at it from the angle of like I, I could see somebody making that sort of slippery slope comparison to like, oh, diversity for diversity's sake is a problem. Like, no, I think judging, like, it, these things need to be judged from a lens of quality on top of whatever kind of, you know, benefits it gets from being, like, quote unquote, diverse. Um, I think that's totally fine. Like, I, I think they should be encouraged to, like, you know, have those kind of high standards set by, like, what is good and what is quality because, it, you know, because Black Panther was good, we didn't have to think of it as like you know people defending it only because it's some kind of statement and or it, some it, kind of like expression. And it was, and it was no, also a statement a like, film. yes, these stories can be good, can be amazing, and they can sell. Mm -hmm. And they cared about it, and that's the thing. Like you have to fucking care about it. And David Cage cared in a weird way about his stupid game. Um, but like, it's still a bad game and there's still, there's still a better story that can be told, but there's no one there that can tell it because there's no one there that has the perspective and it shouldn't be a white French man. Um, right. Yeah, I totally, I, it's, it's just a weird skewed kind of perspective you get from somebody like a David Cage type who tries to be that kind of auteur that somebody like Kojima is, but Kojima does it in a very different way where he, you know, he respects, he wants to make films, obviously. he That is, if you play Metal Gear, you know that very well, but he also respects the medium enough to know that, like, you know, gameplay is just an important facet and we're not, you know, like, I'm not going to spoon feed you the shit like you're an idiot, you know? Like, it's, it, there's a lot of layers to something like Metal Gear, even if it devolves into, like, anime wrestling bullshit you know there's still a lot there to kind of touch on and, and divulge you know there's it's pretty compelling stuff to see the differences between somebody like a kojima and somebody like david yes Cage. so and it's it's funny it's funny to see just how crazy kojima can actually get like th these death stranding trailers are just fucking 
like incoherent nonsense so far. But like you know, at the end of the day, it's gonna be a hell of a game. I think that's what's keeping me from like totally turning tail on something like a Death Stranding. Is like, well, we know, you know, like Kojima respects the medium enough to have a compelling game behind his batshit insane stories. Yes. So, <laughs> but man, we we fucking went places, man. I actually, I had to dip for a couple minutes, and I was talking about. Oh man, good, good, good stuff though. Not yeah. to pat ourselves and, on the uh, back. And so, mm. on Wednesday, the thirtieth. So you're not you don't like Detroit. We got a Fallout tease. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it was just like a Technicolor image of the. Well, I mean that was left, by, like that for like kind of thing. Fucking twenty hours. Uh, and then they would just play like music and mm-hmm. they had a bobblehead and they would fuck around with the bobblehead like at night the like the s- stage was dim and the bobblehead was asleep like laying down covered up with a blanket and it was like dim but also like the please wait sign and people because I was on the stream for a little bit I was like oh yeah this fucking music still amazing <laughs> like I will listen to this no problem you know right yeah and they were like man it's, it's better man I wish it was, was like a Fallout New Vegas or where's my Fallout 5 or you know something like that like I, I definitely had kind of lower expectations going into this I thought it was literally just going to be like a Fallout 3 remaster slash a Switch port and I still think that could happen um but what we ended up getting was seventy six. Yeah, it's just called Fallout so, seventy six, right? Um, so I was reading. I read a couple articles. Like the guy from Polygon apparently had a little bit more info than everybody else, probably because he had to write these articles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more like an online right. type story. Like there's still going to be like a story, like story story settings, kind of like regular Fallout. But then there's going to be like online mm-hmm. survival RPG stuff, like Rust. Um, uh huh. A little rusty. That's what I've heard from uh, Kotaku's Jason Schreier. Like, it's not going to be a traditional, you know, like 130 hour traditional Fallout 3, Fallout 4 type game. Like, it's going, it's, it seems like a spin off, really. And it's in like two separate Bethesda Yeah, so like more of the, so the story based um, stuff is going to be more from the Maryland team, which did like Skyrim, Fallout 4, like the main, main story stuff. And then mm. more of the online stuff is going to be made from the Austin studio that was going to do Battlecry, which was their fate, was which was also canceled, which is an online. Yeah, that did cancel. So, I do remember um, that now. Yeah, got to do something. I mean, if it's compelling enough that like it's it's sort of a mirrored or sister mode and not just the main game to the story, like I can see that being just fine. You know, like Call of Duty's doing that now. Literally right now with their uh, multiplayer by having like a PUBG, you know, survival mode, you know, battle royale mode. Like it's it's fine if it's you know compelling and good enough to really stick with it. And I I am totally fine with like a rush. Talk about the Fallout seventy six. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yep. I don't know. Every time I want to get into Fallout, I just can't get into it. I, I don't. It's a me thing. It's a me thing with these Bethesda games. Like I love I. On paper, I love Bethesda. We have a lot of friends who work at Bethesda. Like, a lot of people that we know now work at Bethesda. Um, so I want to, mm-hmm. like, super really enjoy Bethesda. But just these games, like, I don't know why they don't do anything for me. I don't even think they're bad games. Like, I think 3 is a really good game. 
it just doesn't do anything for me. It's weird. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, man. Like, it's just something that doesn't quite, quite, you know... Right. Gel with you, and that's fine. But, like, I, I don't know... Because, Kayla, you were saying, like, you know, there's bits and pieces of, like, the core Yeah, the main studio is also it. working like, on it. I don't know what to... Like, I don't... I don't know what to really expect out of it, then. My expectations... I'm going to just keep them low to be safe. I've learned that over the years. Just keep your expectations low, and you'll never be disappointed. You know, like, that's how I... <laughs> that's how this Pokemon game, the more I hear about it, I'm more like, okay, whatever. It's, it might not be for me, and that's okay. I think that Pokemon game you is know? actually a really ingenious idea. I think it can... <laughs> oh, it's it's a... Business-wise, it's it the also fucking smartest looks... thing I've ever fucking seen, you know? Like, oh, it's a sequel. It's a se- pseudo-sequel game to Pokemon Go that looks fucking gorgeous on the hottest-selling electronic of it has know, really... 2018. Like, it has me really excited bis- for a business... 2019's game. Go ahead. <laughs> Exactly, because like, what are they going to take from that oh or learn God. from I'm that? Gonna... You, I wonder. You know, like, or if it's just going to be, you know, like yeah. Gen Eight slash Gen Four. Because like, the, this game reminds me of like, a lot, I know a lot of people were saying like Pokemon Go or like the Stopgap, but it reminds me of when Pokemon Ranger was announced when the DS started. Because remember, there wasn't a Pokemon DS game, I think, until two years. Until 2007. It took... Yeah, two and a half years. Well, like two and a half years. Um, But they had Pokemon Ranger as, like, the stopgap in between. Yeah, they had a few of those. But, I mean, Rangers, to me, is... Yeah. Ranger was Right, it reminds me... This reminds me a lot like Pokemon Ranger. Like, this is... And also, I think Pokemon Mystery Dungeon was around the same time, I want to say. Because they... Those first games, it was odd. Like one of the like red version was on GBA, and one was when the blue version was on DS. It was kind of odd, actually. That yeah, because I'd say made those that kind of shift. And that yeah, on those one DS, you could play also, both. I think they were they were they are like GBA games as well. I think they originated GBA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they they were just migrated to the DS ecosystem. But yeah, like I, it's I'm very curious to see how. Um, you know, let's go ends up performing. Like, is it going to be like another pillar for them, or is it just going to be something that was like an experiment that they did to kind of pad out the Nintendo Switch right. uh, life cycle a little bit? You know, like while they make the real game have this little spinoff thing. I don't know. I think it has the potential to be another every other year thing where they just kind of introduce new Pokemon in a new region if they do enough with it. But will they do enough with it? Yeah. I don't know. Because if it's just like the original one fifty one. You know, like, and maybe some Alolan forms, maybe some. Well, baby we know where in fact there's 150. Like, there's at least that, you know 152, because there is a an unknown Pokemon that will make a debut. There's an a new, brand new, unnamed Pokemon. I'm gonna guess the Gen. Well, it's a Mystic. It's whatever you know, like the Gen that, Eight Mystic Pokemon that'll be, is going to fu- be. That'll be ingenious marketing, by the way. Like, I I can't I can't say enough how much of a fucking like business, uh, like you know. Yeah. Grand well, no, they've done this. So they've done this before, um, and like before, before uh, Gold and Silver came out, they introduced Topopi in the anime. Um, before Ruby and Sapphire came out, I want to say they introduced Blaziken, also in the anime. Yeah, Blaziken. Yeah, yeah, and then like Gary had an Electivire like right. two thousand five. Uh, well before like they they've done these teases yeah because like they the did anime, like, right so even Mewtwo, be, but, not Mewtwo but uh even uh lucario like 
who is not a, a mythic Pokemon, had his own basic movie. Like, that's how Lucario was introduced. Yeah, so they, they're no strangers to doing that, but they are kind of strangers doing it within their games. Well, I, I was going to say that... Um, I think Gen 6 had Gen six had that weird artifact that ended up being, like, literally just touristy MacGuffin for Gen 7, which I thought was fucking Well, no, that's what, again, that's why I brought up the Rangers but, thing. Um, <laughs> remember, Pokemon Ranger is the only way to get the Pokemon Manaphy. Manaphy is a... Is a in in the GTA. no in the DS right. games, Manaphy is yeah Manaphy. I was like Manaphy oh, yeah, is not games. is not able to get um, which is a mythic Pokemon that's the only Pokemon that can breed. It's not. Oh Manaphy! For some reason, I thought you were talking no. about fucking Mantine. No Jesus Manaphy. Christ. Yeah Manaphy. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah Manaphy. Now locked behind Pokemon Ranger, like. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So okay, yeah, I'll give them credit. They actually did kind of do more of this. Like cross yeah, game. So I, I think, stuff. like I said, yeah. to me this this game, yeah, no, to me this, this game, game has a lot of Pokemon Rangers vibe to it. Even like the way it's, it's captured is I mean, different. I'm, like, because I don't think you could do. I mean, it's obviously obviously yeah. a lot of. Well, Pokemon obviously, Go, yeah, uh, Pokemon Go is like, obviously that. But I think also for the fact like uh, Niantic is not like they're not putting Niantic's name on it means like this is very much Pokemon the Pokemon Center like a uh, Pokemon company saying hey. We like what you did. We're going to take the good aspects of it, and then we're going to do our own thing. Right, right. So kind of just take it in there. Like, sort of meld these uh, Pokemon Go and, like, core Pokemon ecosystems. And I think doing it with a Gen 1 game, again, very smart. Mm. Um, because it's the easiest sell to, like, nostalgic, you know, sort of, quote-unquote, Gen 1ers that we like to poke fun at. But also, you know, like, it's... If they wanted to do any more of it, it could be a good launching ground. Like, you could do something like a a living world kind of game with this in that, you know, after a little bit, like, what if you just went off to another region and had new Pokemon introduced, not right. unlike Pokemon Go? Um, like, what if they would slowly make it more like a traditional Pokemon game over time and sort of, like, have have the, the stuff with... It being more tied to go, not fade out over time, because obviously that's going to be the hook, you know, like throwing the Pokeballs mm. and doing all that stuff. But like they could, they could do a lot with this game, and I think we still don't really know. A lot I, about I just, it, so I don't know. I'm I, very curious. I think the reason why me and you, because we and you kind of said like this would more than likely be what it is, right? Like we didn't say exactly what it was, but we were kind of in the right ballpark. I think the reason why you do Kanto or you do this game is because Kanto is not huge. And it's not really, like, if I need to rebuild and redesign a whole region out of, you know, out of the ecosystem, let's say they, they've been in development, and I think they've been in development of this game since at least the development of Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, because as as uh, Bibbs, um, fan of the show, had brought up, like, the two Pokemon leagues in this game, uh, Pikachu and Eevee, are the two Pokemon that got their own special um, Z-moves as starters, like, as, as, like, original Pokemon. So, like, they, this is something that's been in development. So, I would say probably, like, it's since, like, Sun and Moon, probably since, like, the, um, the, the actual uh, Switch has been in development. I think doing Kanto is very easy to recreate in that style. Like I said, do this beautiful art for it. I think the next game has to be a full-on new region, 
and I think with how they've done for each one of the games, like made the regions like huge. Like Sun and Moon is huge. Like people don't like realize it. Those four islands are huge. Even if the last island has literally nothing on it, the um, the the sec- the second two islands are huge. Um, and I and so is Black and White. Black and White is also huge. I think ultimately. Um, uh, the the Pokemon Gen Six. I forgot what the name of the region is. The French Kalos. I think Kalos is small in comparison. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think that the next game is going to be a huge game. But I'm like you. I I think making actually a Poke Earth would be really cool for the next game, and then having each different region as like DLC would also be kind of really cool to do. I mean, who knows if it'll be traditional DLC kind of, uh, like, trappings, or if they would try and do it more where they just merge it with the existing ecosystem. Right. I'm not sure. Like, the the potential for, for these games is pretty, right. I'd say, vast. So, but yeah, that's, yeah. Whew. We, I did not know we were going to talk about Detroit Become Human as much when I just made an offhanded joke about it, but I'm, you know what, yeah. I'm actually glad we did uh, I can't wait for Travis to hear the shit show that I did when he left. Uh, uh. Oh, uh, <laughs> which you can listen to on Stitcher. On PNB. Uh, not Stitcher yet. I'm still working on that. Uh, I, have to re- I have to resubmit uh, our RSS feed because our old one's still up. So it's still it's thinking that, oh, it's just, you know, yeah. the old feed. We also need to get back on Google Play. Because we're not, we're not oh, on Google Play, yeah. Still? Sheesh. I... I apologize. I think after uh, iTunes, I just started coasting, you know? Like, oh, fuck it. I got iTunes. Like, we're good. But I can't, can't, you know, can't neglect these these other platforms. No. So. But. But, you know, what other platforms you can find PNB on is patreon.com slash PNB, where you can support the show on any particular level. We would appreciate it. But, you know, our, our little moneymaker sweet spot level is uh, $3. For $3, you get... Advanced RSS feeds for exclusive podcasts like PNB FM, which should be going up soon, and Fostering Opinions. We got some E3 mm. plans going for that, as well as E3 plans across the whole PNB network. Um, you can follow myself on Twitter at Tierney. Follow Kayla yeah. at Kayla Zumbaum or Token Girl SCFU when she calls yeah. a limited cunt. I do that a lot. You can follow, you can follow uh, T. Lavar at Travis L. Foster on Twitter. You can follow. The PNB on PNB Cast on Twitter at PNB Cast on Twitter. Just you know, like anytime I post something on the site or the Patreon, I generally try to get the Twitter involved. It's great, great tool for that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I think that is actually going to do it for this year, this week. Also, uh, listen to Video Game Apocalypse on the Laser Time Network because uh, your boy is going to be doing a little bit more stuff with them. So yeah. Yay! Yeah, yeah, give it a listen. Start peeping laser time. You know we got we got reasons to be involved. And if I'm not on that Smash Brothers episode, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be making well, complaints, well, formal style. We'll have to talk. I, I I'm going to do like a Martin Luther. Like I'm gonna put parchment on Chris Antista's door. Like it's 72 reasons why I should have been on the Apocalypse. We're gonna have to talk. Episode. All right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but look yeah. forward to that stuff, you know? Like, keep us keep, keep us in the loop of everything, you know? Like, we love to hear feedback Absolutely. from you guys uh, in any way, shape, or form. You know, like, it warms my heart when I just even get the littlest little Patreon note. Like, hey, 
Good job. I'm glad somebody's finally doing yeah. a podcast on this. Yeah, so. and um, Yay. yeah, and like I said, like Dylan said, we, me and Dylan have some stuff in the works, uh, video wise, that you guys will be seeing soon. So, can't wait. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, for everybody. Yeah. Bye. Don't